Hello and welcome back to the Heart to Heart podcast. I am your host, Aaron Quevedo, and today I have with me AP environmental science teacher and uh, chemistry teacher, Mr. Ahart. We're going to discuss his career as one of Hart's, uh, dare I say, iconic teachers um, and, you know, dig a little bit deeper into into his life before teaching and surrounding teaching. So uh, with that being said, make sure you guys stick around. Uh, yeah, Mr. Ahart, welcome to the Heart to Heart podcast. Well, thank you for asking me in. Yeah, of course. I know personally I'm very excited to to start talking to you, get to find a little bit more out about you. I'm I mean, you know, usually I we would at least have a little bit of better relation relationship this year, you know, I'm your student, but we've only been through Zoom. So yeah, I think this is going to be a good exercise in conversation. The weird part about this year is seeing faces but hardly ever hearing voices. And so but a voice and a face together is going to be awesome. This is true. Yeah, it, it occurs to me that I've, I've probably only spoken up a handful of times in your class. Yeah. So this will be interesting. Yeah, so we can just jump right in here. If you want to, you know, kind of take it back to what would be, you know, sort of the beginning and just kind of how did you get your start in education? Um, what made you want to get into teaching? So when I was uh, going to college at the University of South Dakota in Vermilion, uh, near where I grew up, um, I started in computer science. In my first year as a computer science student, I spent about 40 hours a week in the computer lab. Wow. And found out that was not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to talk to a screen <laughs> like <laughs> I have this year uh, yep. at, you know, at, in a li as living. And so I started to investigate some different things and found um, geology classes that I enjoyed and talked to some of the professors that I was taking geology classes from, and they suggested maybe um, getting into education because at that time that was when the oil, um, there was an oil crash and there was, there were virtually no geology jobs. Mm -hmm. So finding something to do with that degree. And so I got into uh, teaching um, into the earth sciences. And, and with that, you also get a degree in teaching physics and chemistry and so forth. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So when did you, when did you end up moving out here to California then uh, starting to teach at heart? Um, I moved out here in 1989, the fall of 89. Okay. So I've been here a number 30 plus years at heart all. Um, I taught one year in Wayne, Nebraska at a, at a middle school. And um, then I decided to pursue something else and, and kind of adventure out. And I was hired by former principal Lawrence Strauss at a, um, job fair over at Arizona State University. Yeah, that's awesome. That's definitely a long time spent, you know, just out here. Um, and, and, and you said, so you, you're, aside from that one year in um, teaching middle school, you've only been teaching at heart. Is that correct? Yes. Wow. That's, that's really amazing. Cause you know, I'll, I'll talk to a lot of different teachers that will, you know, either grow up out here or move out here and then kind of bounce around a little bit at different things and then stay, and then eventually, you know, spend a large number of years at one school but that's that's really remarkable to have you know this entire span of your career at heart so yeah you you really have been around heart for a long time yeah and so have you been you've been teaching uh, apes and chemistry that whole time that you've been out here well i started teaching uh earth science at that time ninth grade was earth science and or um ips which introductory to physical science and um then i was asked by a uh vice principal at the time her name was uh Mrs. Ruth Port, and she asked me to think about teaching an honors um, earth science class, which turned out to be environmental science. Uh -huh. 
And so I started teaching that as an honors class in uh, 1992, I think it was, 1992 wow. or 93. And then it converted into an AP class in, um, nine, or in uh, 2006. So you've been teaching apes before apes existed. That's Correct. pretty remarkable. Yeah. Wow. Wow, that is a lot. Do you know, at least at heart, if there are any other teachers who have been teaching here as long as you? There are a couple. I think um, there's probably four teachers that have been teaching longer than me at heart. All right. I'm going to have to track them down because that's really remarkable to hear, you know, because we have, you know, this long, obviously the oldest high school in the district, right? We, we, we talk about, you know, the history behind that and stuff, but to hear, you know, from teachers that have been here for a massive chunk of that yeah. is really awesome. Yeah. So you mentioned, you know, you grew up in South Dakota. I, I've heard you mention my, personally, some of my favorite apes classes actually have been the ones where you, you know, tie in your, your personal experience growing up out there into the subject matter. So can you, uh, how does, how does that experience kind of tie into your teaching? Well, I think that it gives me a unique perspective. Um, I grew up in an area in which there were only 21 kids in my graduating class. So a uh, little town, Elsister, South Dakota. Um, and in growing up in a situation like that, you get to know and do a little bit of everything. So in mm. that school, if everybody doesn't do everything, nothing gets done. So you kind of get, you, you get a, I guess, a master of none and a, you know, a, a jack of all trades. All trades, yeah. Yeah. So um, it gave me a little bit of experience in, in things like choir and in band and sports and in, you know, hmm. uh, student government. And I had an, an amazing science teacher um, who was also our math teacher because he did upper level math and uh, all the sciences. And... Um, he really was my inspiration when I started to think about what to do other than computer science, which he was also my teacher for. Um, that that's where that came in. That's awesome. And I, and I think also just the you know when I talk about agriculture or things like that, um, living in an agricultural area and having that background gives yeah. me an idea of how to kind of present that information better than I would if I hadn't had that experience. Absolutely. You know, I, I've my seriously, my favorite apes class is the one uh, we, we had a, a class a couple months ago where you were continually pausing the video that we were playing and correcting the the person on on the, clearly this person has never set foot on a ranch before. Right. And it was deeply entertaining to me. I'm like, this is this is who we need to teach this class this is great. Yeah. And kind of I want to uh, maybe a little bit deeper into that. What specifically fascinates you about, you know, the agricultural stuff, the earth sciences, because, you know, to a lot of people, you know, looking at looking at this class from the outside they, or the, the subject itself, they'd be like, OK, this is kind of boring. I don't know why, you know, whatever, whatever. Yeah. I'm well, fascinated I think about that. I think understanding the the world around you and when you look at something, understanding why that happens or um, understanding how something happens, because if you drive around this area, just the geology of this area is amazing, you know, from mm. Townsley Canyon, having the tar seeps. Uh, to having three very um, um, old oil fields here in town and the, the oil history that existed in this town. Uh, we had the longest producing oil well ever out of Pico Canyon of any place in the United States. Um, so that kind of stuff, looking at the earthquakes and all the fault lines and all that kind of stuff that exists here, um, the fact that this used to be an agricultural area, um, 
the area of Granary Square used to be onion fields. You know, um, yeah. when I first got here, where the mall was, that was just nothing but wheat fields. And so to see the change and to see how things have, have been altered and understand the impact of those types of things, I think is, is a, a valuable lesson for people when they, when they are taking the class that I teach. Yeah, it's always interesting to me to hear, you know, what people are like specialized in and what they're really passionate about because here you know no matter what the subject matter like my interest level in it hearing someone who is you know intensely passionate about you know geology agriculture or, or even you know i can go on and on about right. podcasting production um show choir people are always fun to talk to because they're they're so into it so what what year did you move did you move out to santa clarita again in 1989 89 so that would have been two years after Santa Clarita was, was incorporated as a city. So right. you've, you've really, not only have you been here for a massive chunk of hearts history, you've seen nearly the entirety of Santa Clarita. And that, that is Just remarkable. The growth in this city it has been remarkable. Um, you know, when I first got here, Hart had, uh, I think it was about 1,675 students. Okay, wow. Um, the socioeconomic makeup was completely different at that time. Um, now we have we only had three high schools it was saugus heart and canyon mm -hmm. and that was it so i've been here where heart got way up over 2400 students um and then we opened up valencia then it got really big again and mm -hmm. we opened up golden valley and west ranch and so each yeah. time that the school got really large i mean there were there were less rooms and more students if you can imagine that and we opened up and we had classes from seven o'clock through you know, three o'clock and every room was used every period during some of those. Wow. That's, that's great. What do you, what has been, so you've seen this incredible growth in, in Santa Clarita. What has been one of the things that is most, the most drastic change or the most drastic thing that's grown? Um, you know, you mentioned, you know, the mall was an onion field and things like that. Uh, I think just be able to shop in Santa Clarita instead of having to go over the hill to go shopping for clothes for instance there used to only be like a kmart and there there was a, a place in granary square uh for jeans and there was a mervyn's and stores you don't hear about anymore but mm -hmm. realistically if you wanted to go shopping for clothes or anything you know for uh, a holiday or whatever you had to go over the hill you know the nearest mall was down in northridge and so um there just wasn't a lot this was a bedroom community almost all my students parents worked down in Los Angeles or in the mm -hmm. Valley when I first got here. And now a majority work within town. So that's wild. Considerably. Yeah. It's, it's always interesting to hear because there's not a lot of, you don't hear a lot about the history. You, you hear, you know, Santa Clarita, like recent Santa Clarita history, you know, the things that like, you know, we've been able to live through and then you hear like 1800s, Henry Mayo Newhall founding. There's yep. not a lot of that in between space where it was, it's, you know, a lot of oil fields and, 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 you know, agricultural fields in general, that's really, yeah, and that's really interesting. The Santa Historical Society has a really good website with all kinds of stuff, including stuff about the geology, uh, but some really great old pictures mm -hmm. where you kind of look at it like, wow, that's that place. No, that's, I, and I believe you've shown, you've shown some of those in class. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, we, we did an episode right before we went for uh, winter break that we titled uh, Heart High History Hysteria, um, where we went through, uh, I don't know if you know Zach Riley, but he, he laid out yep. an entire entire history from for us of Santa Clarita from uh, the Big Bang all the way to uh, present day. 
um, which was amusing. I mean, obviously a lot of that was, you know, fast forwarding, yeah. whatever, but yeah, definitely a lot of that Santa Clarita history stuff really fascinates me and the, you know, where we got the names, Wiley Canyon, Pico, Pico Canyon, you know, yep. Henry Mayo, Newhall, everything that's, that's definitely been a point of interest for me. Yeah. So it's, it's really is remarkable to hear, you know, someone that has actually, you know, experienced a, a big chunk of this. So kind of shifting topics here, you're also the uh, cross country and track coach here at Hart. So if you want to kind of get into that, you know, how long have you been coaching out here? What have, I know you've coached different things. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll just kind of give you a little coaching history. Um, I first started coaching at Hart in 1991. Okay. Um, fall of 90 and spring of 91. I started coaching girls tennis and I also coached, um, track i was the um, assistant track coach i was in charge of long triple and high jump and then took over as head track coach when the head track coach dan houghton um, decided to uh, quit coaching track and focus on football um, him and i dan houghton and i also coached uh, girls soccer for a couple of years uh, we were the jv uh, girl soccer coaches um, didn't really know a lot about soccer. Uh, an athletic administrator came and said, hey, we need a JV girls soccer coach. You guys need to do this for me. And so he handed us some stuff. And luckily, we had some really talented young ladies that uh, uh, were very good at their sport. And they won a couple league titles, despite the fact that neither one of us knew much about soccer. Um, but it was really cool because we were both track coaches at the time. And we got them to come out and run track as well. Um, the early nineties track was really big at heart. We had over 300 athletes in track. Wow. Uh, it was an amazing thing. And you can see some of the league titles that were, were run during those years. That's remarkable. Yeah. Um, and then I got into football in the mid nineties and started off working as a, um, trainer with them and then worked my way into, um, the varsity offensive line coach and where I was part of six CIF titles uh, from 95, awesome. 98, 99, 2000, 2001, and 2003. Whew. That's, that's quite the, that's quite the record there. Yeah. So about 2008, I decided to quit coaching for a little while and spend time with my kids that were young at that time. And then as they started to get into sports in high school, then I came back to, to coaching and started, um, I work as a assistant in cross country. And then I work as a head boys coach in track. Wow. So you've, you've really kind of run the coaching gambit here through the years that you've been here. Yeah. How old are your kids now? I have a senior, uh, Joseph or JJ is a senior. He's headed to West Point next year. And awesome. um, my daughter, Ashlyn is an eighth grader. Wow. Awesome. So did, are, are they both going through heart uh, right now? Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Uh, Ashlyn will be at heart next year. Yeah. That's, that's really cool. It's again, it's always, you know, um, Going into, I, I came into Placerita from out of district. So hearing, uh, for, for the first time hearing teachers be like, oh, I, I taught your, your parents to some of my classmates was mind blowing to me. And then kind of, as I, as I, you know, you know, have come through these for next couple of years, you know, hearing that being re really common of, oh, I taught your parents. Oh yeah. My kids are going through, um, harder Placerita and things like that. Uh, even from, you know, people who are district people and district administrators, administrators, yeah, yeah so, I've had I've had a number of students of past students. I've well, joked with the principal a few times that the first time somebody comes in and say, 
says my grandpa or my grandma had you for a teacher i'm going to go up to the front and retire at that point <laughs> as you well should <laughs> um yeah and i mean you know teaching here for as long as you have obviously for you i would assume that's that's you know fairly fairly you know not an uncommon occurrence yeah so so when you were when you were growing up in south dakota i know you didn't want to hit on this as, as much but when you uh how did you get into you know track and sports in general was that something that you did as a kid or so, like i said in in south dakota in small towns like that everybody does a little bit yep. of everything of course whether we're doing more of it during junior high or high school um and then when i went to college i i had roommates that were all part of track and field and oh. so um uh, between having them and, and and really getting to know a lot more about certain things and um, seeing some you know one of my one of my best friends still today we talk on a regular basis uh mike bridges he was a 25 plus foot long jumper and a 50 foot plus long or a triple jumper and so i learned a lot of stuff from him um, in, in that aspect, um, I had another friend who was a high jumper. And so I learned a lot from her as well. And so it's just stuff that, you know, I picked up and there was a niche that was needed to be filled when I got to heart mm -hmm. and I enjoy working with kids. And so I guess that's the, the biggest part when you're, when you're coaching, it's teaching. Uh, and yeah. if you, you know, you don't have to be good at something to be able to teach it. You, you have hmm. to be able to understand how to get the information across. And so that's really, that's really good. You know, I think that's, that's the benefit of, of a sport like cross country or track is that anybody can get better than they were the day before. And I think that's the beauty of that with team sports, like um, football. I think the beauty of that was that you, you were always working for that perfection of having 11 guys on a team all do their job at the same time. And that's how you have success. Yeah. And it's the fact that everybody does their job and together they can accomplish something that individually they can't. And I think yeah. that was, you know, I was lucky enough to be part of an amazing coaching staff and, and having some amazing athletes during that time frame where we went to the CI finals 10 times in 15 years. That's crazy. Six of those 10. So um, just some great athletes. There's still people I'm friends with today. Um, some of those athletes, and I've seen them now have kids and grow up and, mm -hmm. and get married and so forth. But some really good, really good memories. Yeah, that's, that's, it's always, I've, I've mentioned this, you know, quite a, quite a lot talking to coaches and pe people who are former coaches and things is that like, the, those things, what you said about, you know, 11 people all doing their job and, you know, progressively being better than you were the next day. That's not just a track skill. That's not just a football skill. That's something that is going to follow these kids, you know, throughout their lives. And that's such a huge skill that, that coaches are, have the opportunity to pass on. So that, yeah. that resiliency, the ability to Absolutely. face adversity and, and work your way through it and end up being successful, I think, pays off huge dividends in the future. Definitely. Yeah. Kind of going back to what, what uh, something I mentioned earlier. So I kind of asked you about, uh, you know, Santa Clarita, what have you seen change? What, what ha specifically at heart, what is the biggest thing that you've seen change in, in since you, you first got here? I think just the, the whole regeneration of all the buildings and, and the new buildings that have taken place. Um, 
I've basically seen every building worked on with the exception of the P building and the Q building. Um, I saw all of the portables get put in place and some of them taken out. Uh-huh. Um, you know, the, the last two that were just taken out, the ones J5 and 6, those were the only two portables that were in place when I got here that are still where they're, where they're, they were still there. Um, the, the T building that's out there now, when I was first here, that was my first year, there were T portables. It was the first year those T portables were out there. So I was the first person in those T portables and I got to see them demolished. Um, we saw the Q portables come in when we got really big. Um, the D portables when we had construction, I got to be part of the design team to help um, decide what the S building was going to look like. That's uh, awesome. Former teacher, uh, Mr. Martin Kirby and I sat down with architects and gave them our wish list and we got everything we asked for. That's great. So, uh, you know, those types of things, um, just seeing the reconstruction of the campus um, so that uh, we could, you know, where there was a time frame when there was really only bathrooms in the cafeteria and bathrooms in the um, gym. Hmm. And that was the only, but those were the only bathrooms on campus. Wow. Uh, to now where there's multiple bathrooms all over campus. So mm-hmm. something like that, you know, we, we went to two brunches and um, in order to make sure that kids could go to the bathroom and have brunch rather than have to just wait in line to go to the bathroom. So, it, you know, things like that that have changed and, and um, the staff completely continually changing staff, of course. Uh, you know, but always focused on pride in the school. Yeah, definitely. And it's, it's interesting that, you know, you've, you've been at heart longer than, you know, a lot of the buildings have remained like, you know, all of these have, have gone through changes and everything, but you know, the, those, those, those principles, the, you know, alive with pride is still, you know, at the core and we're still doing amazing yeah. things with, with sports and everything. Yeah, I definitely need to find more teachers who have been here as long as you have been, because this is absolutely fascinating to me. Yeah, I think the the building of the AP program as well was something that I saw take place. You know, when I was first at heart, there were only one or two AP classes. And, you know, the advanced placement program has grown greatly. I think we have 18 or 19 different advanced placement classes um, and trying to get more and more kids involved. Uh, I Mm. think that's a great thing. It gives a kid a an idea of exactly what college can be like. Yeah. And I, I would, so you, obviously that's definitely been uh, like, like we said, you've, you've been teaching at heart longer than apes has been a class. Um, what, what, what is that process like in, in, you know, having more AP classes, I assume, you know, AP as a, as a system wasn't nearly as big of, of a deal as it was now. You know, um, even when, when I went to high school, I, I didn't even hear about it in South Dakota. Um, and when I first got to Hart, there were only a few. Um, mm-hmm. It was like government, and there was AP Lit and AP Lang and Calculus. Um, when I first got to Hart, and it's grown, you know, drastically now. So um, I think it's it's good to give kids an, an alternative. You know, even though only twenty percent of kids will go to college, I think it's good to give them that experience that you know this is what a college class is like. Mm-hmm. And if the kids can complete them and get their scores, three, fours, and fives, um, it's going to give them a leg up in getting into a university. It's also going to give them some classes that they're going to get credit for that they're not going to have to pay for. And so I've seen kids go to UCLA and graduate with a master's degree in four years out of UCLA because they had enough 
um, AP credits. So That's I think awesome. those are the types of things. Seeing kids get get into places like MIT, um, in Yale and Princeton and Brown and all of these you know great universities, based upon the fact that they had such a great education. Um, I think that's that's impressive. Yeah, it has to be really gratifying, I would think, to see these kids that you taught, you know, kind of, you know, the first year laborers kind of coming out and seeing them, you know, go on to have successful careers and go yep. to these crazy schools. Yeah, that's really awesome. I was talking to my uh, my stagecraft teacher actually. Um, he's he's a he's definitely a, a younger guy in terms of uh, you know teachers, and and one uh, of my former students. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, uh, David, and he and he wasn't even you know he he was a recent former student of yours. Right. Yeah, and him hearing about how you know in just a few years of teaching the stagecraft class, having his first student you know, grow an interest in, in the subject matter that they taught and then go on to go to college for that and how gratifying, you know, that just that one person was. And, and then on the flip side of that, hearing you, you know, talk about, you know, you know, I've, you've had students go everywhere in your, I, I don't know how many students that you, you'd have taught over these. I did, I, I've never added it up. There's a lot. It's yeah. How many students do you, do you teach a year? Um, usually somewhere around anywhere between 140 and 180. Okay. Plus then so, all the athletes. So if you put in all the athletes as well, then a significant amount of students. Yeah. Yeah. So that that's really awesome. And yeah, I, I, I greatly appreciate, you know, you know, going through, through your course and what you're saying about uh, from the student perspective, it is nice to have the APs as something that's going to challenge me. Right. Because, you know, yep. for a lot of, a lot of junior high or whatever, it, it, a lot of it was, you know, just kind of coasting through, you know, I don't have to really study for anything. And then now, now going into apes and gearing up for, you know, the rest of my high school career and going into college and everything, getting out of that mindset and saying, okay, I really, I really do need to work hard here is definitely, you know, something that I think myself and a lot of my peers definitely need going into high school. Yeah. So I, I this has been a really awesome conversation. I definitely, thanks for coming out. Do you kind of just want to um, wrap this up with, we, we, we like to end on a positive note here. Usually by, by, the, by this time in the show, we're all COVIDed out and we've all. Yeah, you know, I get that. <laughs> I am really looking forward to March 29th. Yes. Um, being back in the classroom. I think that's, that's going to be a big thing. Yeah, I'm 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 really excited too and being able to finally kind of see the light at the end of the tunnel is a phrase I've used way too much in the last <laughs> couple of weeks. But really like you better you be know, shining bright because it I mean unless we really screw this up, we should be back in, in person again and Exactly. And the fact that, you know, we actually we have a date for when we're going back. We know this is gonna happen and yep. we're all all of the trends are, are pointing to the you know, the numbers going down and everything. Um, it really is exciting to see everything start to open up again. And I'm excited to, you know, meet my teachers for the first time in person. Me as well. I'm, I'm excited to see the students and put a face with a voice and a name and uh, move forward. Absolutely. Yeah. So with that, Mr. Ahart, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was awesome. Thank you so much, Aaron. Thank you for having me. All right. And thank you for listening to the Heart to Heart podcast. Uh, make sure to go follow us on Instagram at Heart to Heart podcast, as well as on Spotify, Apple podcasts, and anywhere else podcasts are available. Uh, if you'd like to be a guest on the show, you can reach out to one of our production team members or uh, go to the link in our Instagram bio and fill out an application. And as always, this conversation has been from the heart. Have a good week, you guys. Just from the kids to the city.